Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, welcome to the Josh Marshall Podcast. This is David Tainter. We're doing something a little bit different this week. We are uh, covering the Democratic National Convention, the virtual event this week, and we wanted to bring you each morning after the after the the big event, a bit of a recap of the night, um, give our impressions, a little bit of analysis, and and share kind of what we saw. So I'm joined by Kate Riga, as always. Hey, Kate. Hey, David. And making her podcast debut, Summer Concepcion, a, a writer in our New York office. Hey, Summer. Hi. Thanks for joining us. So we had, uh, like I said, the, the convention kicked off last night. This is a all-virtual event. It was supposed to be held in Milwaukee, but... Obviously, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we are all in our homes still uh, for the indefinite future, basically. So we had a number of speakers. Uh, Michelle Obama was the keynote who capped off the evening. Uh, Even a few Republicans made an appearance. Former Ohio Governor John Kasich gave a speech at a literal fork in the road, if the (laughs) imagery of his speech wasn't uh, clear enough for everyone. So, uh, Kate, tell us, what were your kind of big impressions? What were your big takeaways from the first night? Yeah, I mean, I'd say overall the big thing that we are waiting for is to see how weird it would be, how stilted it would be. I mean, I had in my head originally that it was just going to be like a series of Zoom calls with prominent Democrats. So I was like pretty pleasantly surprised to see it was much more polished than that. Um, and I thought there were some like goofy, cringy moments, but overall I thought it was fairly well executed. Um, and as you mentioned, and I'm sure we'll get more into the, you know, the Michelle Obama speech seems to be the one that really um, people have been talking the most about afterwards. And I think that's because her direct camera kind of intimate one-on-one presentation was just really well suited for this format. Whereas I think some other shots, for instance, um, you know, Gretchen Whitmer and Jim Clyburn did little live shots. Those were a little more at least I had that secondhand embarrassment of like, oh my God, okay, let's, uh, are they going to be cued in at the right time? Are they going to mess yeah. up their words kind of it thing? Did, it did seem like Clyburn had a bit of a false start. That was maybe the yeah. only obvious snafu, but yeah, you're right. Otherwise, I think the technical issues were pretty smooth and mm-hmm. and, and pretty seamless. Summer, how about you? What stood out to you last night? Yeah, um, I generally agree with Kate's assessment, actually. It went... I would say a lot more, it was a lot more orchestrated than I anticipated. I have told the TPM staff this probably repeatedly at this point, but you know, I can't help but think about when I went to the DNC convention in 2016 in Philly. And I think heading into this virtual convention, which in itself is historical, um, yeah, I just couldn't help but think how could, the convention, the, I guess the craziness, the chaos, um, how could that be replicated? Um, it's definitely much different for obvious reasons, but I'd have to say that 
Yeah, aside from the little gaffes here and there with Whitmer and Clyburn, especially, and the awkward orchestrated <laughs> claps from random audience <laughs> members in between, um, even though I, it's a different energy, I would say, it... I mean, just even their lineup closing out with Michelle Obama, I think it it just... I think it actually speaks more... I would say that it's... Uh, at least from my point of view, it's more of a pointed, I think, kind of schedule. I mean, schedule of a lineup in terms of speaking to how we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I just felt like the message was stronger overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought one, um, I mean, one appearance that really stood out to me, and I think uh, most viewers was Kristen uh, Orkiza, I think her name is, young woman who lost her father to COVID-19. She had a really strong quote that said her dad's only pre-existing condition was uh, trusting Donald Trump or believing Donald Trump and that he paid for that with his life. And um, until that, I found that the convention didn't have a ton of emotional resonance, I guess. It felt like um, a lot of the speeches were relatively straightforward, kind of come together. Uh, you know, I guess the theme of the first night was We the People. So it was on on the theme at least, but didn't deliver the quite the same kind of gut punch that we had maybe seen in previous conventions. Um, in a way, this reminded me of Kazir Khan, the gold star dad from 2016, whose son was killed in combat. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this was right around the time that Donald Trump announced his Muslim ban uh, in 2016. And, and so he had a really personal kind of counter to Trump's policies or announcements at that time. And I felt like Kristen Urquiza's speech was maybe that kind of emotional resonant moment of the, of the night yeah. last night. I think that's true, especially because her delivery was very flat, but the, you know, it, and she only had what, like a maybe 60 or uh, 60 second or like two minute spot to speak. So it's just, he trusted Trump. He went to a bar with his friends. He died alone in the ICU, you know, and you're just like, wow, like that is the fact that that story is common enough that it was kind of just like a, you know, a check in the night. Like here's our frontline workers. Here's our, um, you know, racial uh, panel on racial unrest. Here's our intimate story about a COVID death. You're, and it was just so, happened so fast, you know, that I feel like you were almost like, whoa, winded. And then we're kind of into the next thing because that is just the environment right now. Her story is not unique. Um, yeah, I totally agreed with you, DT. And that, that line was like very well crafted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to uh, Michelle Obama's headlining speech, Summer, as a resident music expert, what did you think <laughs> of these uh, random kind of rooftop and beachfront musical interludes <laughs> last night um i mean i i personally love the artists that performed last night which included maggie rogers and leon bridges so that made me happy in itself and they have a very strong music lineup this year actually but um it's kind of funny because i think i was laughing because i think um <laughs> some of the yeah like with the rooftop setting and like playing acoustic on the beachfront i mean it kind of reminded me of 90s music videos but um <laughs> I thought it was really cool. Um, I actually, this actually just reminded me that I saw Lady Gaga at, I think, because I think Camden, New Jersey is just right next to Philly. Kate, you would know this better than me. (laughs) So then we drove over there to, I forgot what the name of the arena is, but point is, it's like I saw Gaga there and I was like, oh, and then there was also Lenny Kravitz and it was just like this 
kind of like a big spectacle, which I think I touched on this at the beginning of this podcast that I just kept questioning, like, how could you make a spectacle out of a virtual convention? And I guess like those kind of like uh, unique rooftop and beachfront settings, I think were the closest that we're going to get. Um, but yeah, I appreciate them. And also I have to say, using The Rising by Bruce Springsteen is just so on point <laughs> for the DMC, very on brand. That's what right. I want to say. Very on brand. Well, I also thought that those performances were such a flex because that's such a thing in politics that Democrats get way better artists than Republicans do just because more artists tend to be liberal. So then you have... You know, the Republicans being like, oh, you know, you've got Bruce, so we've got Kid Rock. So <laughs> it's just like such a way to show off kind of the right. superior star power. Right, right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Kate, let's end on let's end on the Michelle Obama speech. Tell us kind of uh, what your sense of that was, how effective you thought it was. And just, um, yeah, just your kind of your takeaway from it. I thought that the shape of the speech was really compelling because, you know, as it got into the middle towards the end, it kind of became more and more of this emotional direct appeal rather than just kind of big picture, Trump is bad. It became, you know, she talked about some people aren't going to listen to me because I'm a black woman, you know, it became very kind of uh, I'm looking into your eyes and this is my direct message. And I think the other part of it that was really uh, effective is that instead of trying to portray Trump as evil or degenerate, she focused on his incompetence and his weakness and the fact that he just can't meet this moment, which I think is probably a more relatable pill to swallow for people who aren't, you know, really ardent Democrats, who don't see Trump as evil incarnate, who more just see him as, for whatever reason, he wasn't prepared for the situation he got himself into. Um, which, as you kind of mentioned earlier, DT, I think kind of fits into the structure of the night, which was much more big tent party, bring everyone who's disaffected with Trump in rather than kind of being the heavy hitters and the the really like, oh, you know, pile on. This is all the reasons that he's like bad and dumb. Right. And clearly it got under Trump's skin because she, like you said, Kate, she had a number of quotes. He is not able to rise to the occasion or meet the moment. He's in over his head. He, You can't fake your way through this job. And then this morning at the White House, Trump said, no, you're in over your head, um, <laughs> not me. And so I guess, I don't know if that was the intended, uh, you know, intention of her speech. Probably wasn't, but clearly Trump uh, but it totally, isn't, isn't letting it slide. But it totally, it makes sense. Like that it would be more troubling for Trump to be branded as pathetic than malicious. You know, we just, we've seen that in his personality. Right. All right. Well, I think that that wraps things up for today. Uh, As a reminder to our listeners, the Josh Marshall podcast is, as always, sponsored by Grady's Cold Brew. You can get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with the promo code TPM. And we will be back tomorrow with more from the convention. Thanks, Summer and Kate. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.